0: The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. I'm what demographers refer to as an old millennial. Consequently, I was raised on The Simpsons. And one of my favorite Simpsons tropes is how they make fun of clip shows. Like the family's discussion in this clip from A Simpsons Clip Show.
1: It's a new episode. Not exactly. They pieced it together from old shows, and it seems new to the trusting eyes of impressionable youth. Really? Ren and
0: Stimpy do it all the time. Yes, they do. And when was the last time you heard anyone talk about Ren and Stimpy? You've tuned in to the first of the Expats two-part season finale, and that means that, yes, we are doing a clip show. I've been interviewing Canadians living abroad for almost three years now when i started the expats i wanted to hear about the similarities and differences in experience for canadians who sought a life outside but still felt strongly connected to canada what insights could i uncover how does the rest of the world see canada and what is it like from the outside looking in there are some conclusions i could draw and we'll get into that in part two of this finale but today I wanna take a look back at some of my favorite moments, which is no easy undertaking. Three years means a lot of interviews. Also, I have loved every conversation that I've had. Something always surprises me and my guests have always been so thoughtful with their answers and so generous with their time. This was a really difficult exercise and no mistake. So I hope you'll join me as we look back on three years of interviews with over 50 Canadians living abroad on the expats. Welcome to The Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. As longtime listeners will know, The Expats follows a pretty consistent format. I ask questions about why someone left Canada. We talk about culture shock and subtle cultural differences. We talk about some of the superficial and not so superficial things that they miss about home. And then I and you, the listeners, get advice. Always very good advice. So that's what we're going to do today, starting with a departure story that I loved. And maybe it's because I'm a hopeless romantic, or or perhaps it has something to do with the fact that I met my own partner online, but I'm a sucker for a love story. And this one includes an eventual pregnancy, birth, and a lengthy long-distance courtship. Here's a little bit from my interview with a Canadian expat in Belgium. It was
2: a complete accident, to be honest. We were both in a chat room. It's kind of like chat roulette. It's called Omegle. Oh, yeah. And um, it's just a website that connects you to a stranger anywhere in the world, and you can chat with them. Um, I was avoiding my homework, and so was he, and we just kind of found each other that way, and we had like a 20-minute conversation on this website. We exchanged Facebooks, and eventually we just kind of started to talk more and more.
0: Cool. And how old were you when this was taking place? I was 19. So when you're doing this and and getting to know this guy, are you a little nervous that he's, you know, halfway across the world, but something's developing?
2: I was totally nervous. And it's funny, I kind of was trying to play it cool for maybe five months. And he always teases me about it now that we're together. um, Because I he would always joke about maybe us traveling together someday. And I would, he would say, Oh, we should go to Ireland. And I would say, yeah, like I hope to go there with my girlfriends one day or by myself. You know, I was trying to seem like I wasn't too interested because it was really scary. I was starting to get to know someone on a deeper level than a lot of my friendships in Canada were. And I had never met this person before. So it was very intimidating.
0: And how long did you uh, speak to each other over the web before you finally decided to meet in person?
2: Uh, We met on the chat site in April, and then he came to visit me that December in Canada, and that's when we first met.
0: So he came, did he come to visit over Christmas?
2: He did, yes.
0: Oh, that sounds like it might be kind of an intense thing to do.
2: It really was. And it's funny looking back on it now. I, he's not really the risk taker kind of guy. So I'm not really sure what convinced him to get on a plane by himself and fly to Canada to see me. But it was definitely a great experience. And it was one of those things where we were both really nervous until we got into my car. And then it was like we were old buddies who were just trying to catch up. You know, it was it was very strange. It felt like we had known each other for a very long time.
0: Oh, that sounds wonderful, actually. How did your family react to this, this interloper coming over from Europe to visit you?
2: Um, well, I was 19 and in college at the time. And my college was about five hours away from my parents. Um, my parents live near stratford ontario Mm -hmm. and i went to school in north bay ontario so i actually didn't tell them that he was coming to visit me (laughs) (laughs) they they knew nothing about him until after we had already met and spent the week together and i told him i told them that um i had met this guy and he was from europe and They had a lot of questions, but I kind of skirted around those questions and just said, you know, I really like this guy and I hope it goes well. And we'll see if we can do this long distance thing until we figure stuff out.
0: And you did long distance for for quite a while, didn't you?
2: Yeah, we did. I think in total it was two and a half years, maybe.
0: Whoa. Was that, that must have been hard.
2: It was really hard and it was really frustrating. On one hand, I'm really happy that we did long distance because I had never traveled really Mm -hmm. and so obviously you know every five or six months when I got enough money I would fly to Belgium to see him and he would fly to Canada and it kind of opened my world a little bit to you know the possibilities of what I could do with my life. Yeah. So I mean it was really frustrating and difficult but I think that it changed me as a person in ways that I couldn't explain.
0: Yeah. And then so this, this two-and-a-half-year period of, of back and forth, you would go visit him, he would come visit you. When did you finally decide it was time to pull the trigger and live together?
2: Um, I think it was around, like, the year-and-a-half mark. I started to get really annoyed with how much money we were spending <laughs> <laughs> because it was just, I mean, like, I was fresh out of college and, you know, Canadian education, tuition costs are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I was paying off my student loans and I was working full time all while trying to budget enough money to go see him every five months. And I just kind of started to get frustrated because seeing each other twice a year just isn't, it's not, you can't keep that going for very long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that was the main decision was your frustration.
2: (laughs) I think so. Yeah. And I, so we started to talk about, you know, who would move where and how we would do it. And he was still in university at the time. And I, you know, like I said, the long distance thing kind of changed my world a little bit. And I was really open to moving. So it just worked out that at the time he couldn't move and I was excited to move. So that's kind of how we decided which country we would try and live in first.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't sound like it was at all a tough decision for you.
2: It really wasn't. I thought that it was going to be because, you know, I have a really big family. Like, I come from a family with seven kids and, you know, a bunch of nieces and nephews. And I had, you know, I just graduated college and I was just starting out in my career in social work. And I thought that it was going to be a really tough decision. But as soon as I got, I applied for a holiday working visa. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And that's a 365-day visa. And as soon as I received approval for it I, it, I it almost felt like a relief. Like I almost was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm very excited about it.
0: Okay. The next story that I wanted to go back to was from Jane Morrison. She told me about all the things you might expect a traveler would about Barcelona, the art, the culture, the architecture. But she also talked about the Catalan people, a culture somewhat analogous to Quebec here in Canada. And given the push for Catalonian independence we're now hearing about, I thought it would be interesting, if not informative, to hear from a Canadian expat in Spain.
1: But after kind of getting comfortable and getting rooted within the city, we started to feel like we wanted to integrate more fully into the local culture. And this proved to be pretty difficult for us, at least. And I think one of the main struggles was making lasting and meaningful friendships with the locals or maybe integrating within the social programming and or volunteering or just having like playing a role within the community. Yeah. And I think this was difficult for us here specifically because Barcelona is part of Catalonia. So they speak Catalan as well as Spanish. Okay. and. And because there are these two languages, I truly feel if you want to truly be integrated within the culture of Barcelona, you really have to speak both languages, because in any given moment, you could be thrown into a situation where one language is predominating over the other, and you have to sort of navigate your way through that situation. Yeah. And because the Catalan culture is similar to the Quebec culture in Canada, in the sense that they really want to preserve the culture and the language, and there are also, there's a large um, part of the population that want to separate from Spain, so you have that sort of conflict. And because of all that, there's a strong emphasis on maintaining the language of Catalan. So in many situations, you'll find yourself in, in an, for example, a workshop or some sort of course that you want to take on the side, and it's going to be in Catalan because of that emphasis to preserve the language. So, you know, I, I put in a lot of time and effort to learn Spanish, but then, you know, it's, it would take so much more effort to learn a second language, and many people do that, and that's, I think that's really wonderful, but for for me personally, I haven't quite had the time to do that, so because of that, I felt maybe as though I was kind of just one layer deep in society rather than fully integrated.
0: Sure, and and is Catalan, is it very different from Spanish? Like, I mean, is it as different from from Spanish as English is from French?
1: Yeah, no, it's not so different. But as as someone who's, well, in my place and speaks Spanish as well as French, because Catalan is said to be a mixture of French and Spanish, because Catalonia is located between Spain and France. So the language is a bit of a mixture of the two. And, and when you hear it, you might even be able to recognize that. But somehow it's very hard to understand, even <laughs> for someone who speaks both of those languages. So, yeah, usually people, me and my peers, who are also Spanish speakers, but are not native Spanish speakers, usually we struggle to understand.
0: Yeah. And and are are the people who speak Catalan, are they more, are they accommodating of that or are they so focused on preserving culture that they become bristly when you are unable to communicate with them in their language.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a real mixture. You Like in many situations, they try to accommodate and they try to speak Spanish because you do, in Barcelona, you do have people that are there from other parts of Spain as well as from Mexico and from uh, like other Spanish-speaking countries. So in many situations, they really try to maintain it, but it often you'll have a situation where it's everything starts in Spanish and throughout the evening or throughout the hour, it just slowly transitions into Catalan, which happens more times than not.
0: <laughs> wow, that sounds like it'd be really challenging to try to yeah, understand. Yeah, well, like
1: for example, me and my partner, we decided to take some dance lessons. We were learning to do swing dancing and they, they told us that it would be in Spanish and it wouldn't be a problem. And so sure enough, the first day they started the course in Spanish. And all was well. And and the next week, it was like half Spanish, half Catalan. And the third week, it was mostly Catalan. And then week four, it was just pure Catalan with no sort of apologies at all.
0: (laughs) So did you actually learn how to dance properly?
1: No, no. And now we're a little bit uh, jaded about (laughs) dancing.
0: We're going to take just a quick break so I can tell you about our sponsor for this show, ATB Financial. Now I have to say, with full disclosure, that I actually work for ATB Financial. Got a job back there in July of 2017. And one of the cool initiatives that I had the opportunity to be a small part of was the launch of a new kind of branch for a different category of customer. And that makes it sound a little bit clinical, but what I'm really talking about is a bank that really works for artists and makers. It's called the Branch for Arts and Culture. And if you are in the province of Alberta, in either Edmonton or Calgary, there is a branch in each of your cities. In Edmonton, where I make the expats, it's located in CKUA just along Jasper Avenue. And it's this really funky little space uh, that artists uh, have their work curated in and they can come in and talk to a banker about their banking needs. Now, how is talking to a banker about your banking needs any different? from walking into any other bank. Well, our bankers are all artists themselves, and they've experienced some of the unique pressures and instances that artists have to wade through in order to even have a conversation with a bank. And we're trying to not only lower those barriers, but also develop products that work for artists and look at artists the way that they should be looked at as not just another number. So if you want to find out more about this really cool initiative, and I think you want to, visit atb.com slash the branch and you can find out more about what we're doing to make banking work for artists and makers in the province of Alberta that's atb.com slash the branch and now on with the show When I launched The Expats, I had an ambition to turn it into a travel show, like a video travel show. I thought maybe I'd sell it to Netflix or something. I would visit expats in their new homes and stay with them for a week, living their journey alongside them. But when I first arrived, I would bring with me a care package containing all the favorite things of the person I was visiting. So foods, beers, Tim Hortons coffee, everything. And so I always knew doing this podcast that I would ask everyone I talked to about the things they missed about home. And when I've done this, I often get very heartfelt responses, and sometimes we'll say more superficial ones. And in the second ever episode of The Expats, I spoke with Anna Alicantra, who very badly missed something, but the Canadian expat in Japan would not be deterred. Besides
3: besides friends and family and you know just um Canadian bacon well not Canadian bacon not not the back bacon but what we typically know as bacon so i'm i'm sure wade mentioned it to you i make my own bacon that's how i solved it
0: <laughs> so okay so tell me about how how you go about making your own bacon in japan
3: okay so you need pork belly uh salt pepper spices that you want and most uh a little bit of sugar and most importantly uh celery cuz celery uh has uh, naturally has a lot of nitrates and that's what uh you know begins the curing process put it all into a bag zip it up seven days slip it over after that like soak it dry it boom bacon in a week
0: holy cow that sounds so, amazing
3: yeah that's the quick version
0: <laughs> do you uh do your friends in japan yeah do you feed your friends in japan your your canadianized bacon ever
3: uh um, um, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if people ask, um, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, this, this is bacon. And they're like, it's just amazing. <laughs> like, it's not like this dry, weird piece of bacon that we have here. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Like, I tell them, like, this is the. Because sometimes I remember telling people that I miss bacon. And then they look at me and, like, we have bacon here in Japan. And I'm like, no, that's not bacon. That's like some weird, strange. Tastes like chicken breast, kind of weird thing. And, <laughs> and when I actually let them taste bacon, they're like, this is amazing. No wonder North Americans love bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, it's a wonderful thing.
0: Oh, doesn't it make you hungry just hearing about it? Okay. Our last segment in this second last episode of The Expats comes from a recent interview I did. I so much enjoyed my conversation with Stephanie Simonson. I mentioned at the top of the show that I'm a hopeless romantic, and so I'd be the kind of person who might move to a foreign country without a plan, not really considering what I might be leaving behind or getting myself into. And that's why I love this little bit of advice from a Canadian expat in Denmark.
4: I think the biggest thing for me has been that um, it's really useful to just prioritize the relationships that will change and to put the effort into the relationships that you know you really want to keep and keep them, um, going because that's not only good for you to, to keep in touch with people who matter to you and stay connected to your culture, but in that sense, it's an anchor, um, when you are in a new environment and you feel outside of the norms, it's really powerful to then just be able to call home and be able to talk to somebody and feel Mm -hmm. normal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, yeah, I would say really make a strategy on how to stay in touch with, you know, whether it's friends or family so that you, you keep that sort of umbilical cord back to your home culture. Um, because for me it's been a lifesaver. Um, every time I've had a little meltdown that said, um, I've been really selective in how much I've talked about the difficult times with my family and friends back home, just because then you're not keeping the relationship, you're just calling home to complain, mm. and you're using them to feel connected. And so it's literally just trying to have that bridge to normalcy. But yeah, I'm just, you know, I'll be Like this morning, I made an Ikea desk that you're sitting on right now with an iPad. (laughs) Um, I made a desk and I, you know, cleaned up my kitchen while I was on Skype with my brother who was making breakfast for his son. And we're just kind of chatting like we would if we were in the same kitchen. And that really helps.
0: That concludes this episode of The Expats. One more episode to go. If you want to reach out and share with me what listening to The Expats has done for you, if it's good or bad, I would love to hear from you. Email me your host, Adam Rosenhart at info at expatspodcast.ca. You can also leave a comment on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Expats Podcast. The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I know not all of my listeners are Albertan, but if you have any interest at all in politics, you need to listen to Alberta Podcast Network member podcast, the Dave Berta Podcast. Oh, sure. I produce the show and I occasionally chime in on the discussions, but that's not the only reason you should listen to it. Hosts Dave Cornway and Ryan Hassman discuss Alberta political issues and fortunes from a different perspective, each of them. But sometimes they agree. In politics, it's called compromise, and I think these two hosts chatting through issues is what politics are meant for. Discussion, debate, compromise. You should subscribe to this really great show. You can download Dave Berta wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. and We'll catch up one last time in a couple of weeks.